Hi everybody, my name is Jasmine, of course, with the Mean Green Money podcast, and today I'm going to be talking about health insurance. And before I even get into it, I know uh, that I just want to say it feels like it's been a long time since I've recorded, and I'm very, very glad to be back. I know that it's been a very busy, for you know, a couple of weeks here recently for everyone, and I know it's been a busy couple of weeks for me as well. Our office is definitely seeing a lot of students coming to ask for help, and that is super, super good. I'm glad everyone's coming to us for help, especially during times like these, and I am super excited to be kicking off the next year with you guys, whatever that might be looking like. And I know also you might be, you know, thinking of some questions like, Jasmine, um, what does health insurance have to do with money? Well, health insurance is definitely expensive, (laughs) you know, depending on where you go if you want good coverage, depending on what conditions you may or may not have. And so I think that it is fitting to talk about health insurance here on the podcast today. So without further ado, let's just jump right into the information. So for you guys, I went sleuthing. I went diving. I just did a little search, you know, and I'm going to include all of these resources that I got this information from in the description. Uh, That way you guys can access it whenever you feel like. If you feel like, oh my gosh, Jasmine's talking again. I just need to zone out and look for myself. By all means, please. (laughs) So I'm going to provide those links for you guys. Uh, The first website I want to basically bring to you guys' attention is medicalbillingencoding.org. And they talk about health insurance for students, the statistics on that kind of thing. They also have navigating healthcare for the uninsured, understanding medical bills, understanding commercial health insurance, understanding health insurance for college students, understanding Medicaid, understanding Affordable Health Care Act, and understanding health insurance, which I think are all extremely, extremely important. So just to start off, we're going to start off with understanding health insurance. And of course, for most of you, you know um, kind of an idea of what health insurance is. Uh, Health insurance is probably one of the most important investments that we'll ever make. And that's the quote from them, of course. Uh, Everyone gets sick. Everyone gets ill. Everyone gets injured from time to time. Matter of fact, I cut myself while cooking (laughs) the other day. Uh, It happens, you know nothing hospital worthy but you know injuries happen and so basically getting health coverage is the only way to basically solidify that we won't be stuck paying for these you know emergencies or these health emergencies out of pocket or if it's a reoccurring condition for you and you've dealt with it all your life or you've dealt with it for some time now it just helps cover the cost for something uh, that's been around for a while and helps you be proactive in that way. And so 15% of the country's population was uninsured in 2012. And that's basically 47 million non-elderly Americans. That 15% was uninsured in 2012. That's a lot of people going without health insurance, going without proper treatments, going without proper health care, you know, for basically everything that they need in terms of health. And so with that, I know there's a lot of college students that might be facing, you know, some 
rough times they might be facing some real difficulties when it comes to getting health insurance and being able to go to the doctor or the eye doctor or going to the dentist things like that and they don't have proper coverage or they don't have any coverage at all and i feel like this will help out a lot of you guys that are you know in that area and so one other thing that we need to highlight and to note is the affordable care act The Affordable Care Act was basically enacted in 2010 by the Obama administration and this, it was successfully passed. Um, it's basically, uh, the abbreviation is ACA. So we'll just call it ACA from now on. Um, in 2013, a year before the ACA went into full effect, like I said before, 15% of the non-elderly American population was uninsured. And 32 million U.S. residents were unable to obtain coverage for different reasons, pre-existing conditions, uh, basically things that kind of stand out as red flags to health insurance companies and things like that. Um, it makes the health insurance higher if you have a chronic condition or if you have um, any type of health issues that basically would make you go to the hospital more often. And... The ACA became effective in January 14th, and by the end of 2016, the rate of uninsured Americans had dropped to a staggering 10.9% from that former 15%, which is an extremely, extremely good drop. Um, of course, um, everyone wants to see it. We love to see it. Yay. Um, the Congressional Budget Office, or the CBO, estimated that the ACA would help reduce the national deficit as much as one billion over the next decade but that's neither here nor there <clears throat> according to this website the next uh, section that they have is called understanding Medicaid and with understanding Medicaid I think that's very int basically intrinsic when understanding Affordable Health Care Act because they sort of go hand in hand it was signed into law in 1965, Medicaid and CHIP, or the Children's Health Insurance Program, are joint federal-state programs designed to provide health insurance to low-income families and individuals. Through Medicaid, though Medicaid began as a means of providing health coverage to government welfare recipients, it has grown to cover not only low-income citizens, but certain sectors of the elderly and disabled populations. Today, approximately 72.5 million people receive benefits from Medicaid and CHIP annually, and at a cost of over $565.5 billion annually, it is one of the largest healthcare insurance programs in the country. And so the next section is understanding health insurance for college students, which I think um, Despite everything else, if you take nothing else away from this, definitely take a lot away from this next portion. So it starts off basically, <clears throat> beyond the mandatory coverage laws rolling into effect, there are countless reasons that college students should take health insurance seriously. For one, young people are at least as vulnerable to illness, accidents, and the consequences of bad decisions, i.e. tobacco, drugs, alcohol use, um, sexually transmitted diseases, unexpected pregnancies, blah blah blah, as adults are. And when emergency and medical expenses do come up, students are rarely in a financial position to cover them, um, i.e. <laughs> the broke college student. 
that is our reality. College is expensive and also health insurance is expensive. So you basically have to pick one. And that is a rough reality that I'm hoping that we can advise um, you on in this podcast. That way it won't have to be that way. You won't have to choose one or the other. You can hopefully have both. So for young adults, motor vehicle accidents, a 2015 statistics from the Center of Disease Control or the CDC showed that while young uh, young people ages 15 to 19 represent only 7% of the U.S. population, they account for 11% of the total cost of motor vehicle injuries and chronic illnesses, according to WHO or the World Health Organization, up to 15% of people who age 12 to 19 suffered from chronic condition. And I know what you're thinking. For most of you, you might be my age. You might be 20 and up. Well, for mental illnesses, the National Institute of Mental Health, or NIMF, I like to say, (laughs) young adults aged 18 to 25 has the highest prevalence of mental illness, 22.1% exactly among all age groups and so with all of that in mind we are the most at risk to need health insurance so that's why it's important that we have at least considered getting health insurance or being covered in some way which leads us to the next portion which is navigating health care for the uninsured Alrighty. So, despite its, you know, initial launch, the health insurance marketplace established by the Affordable Care Act, or ECA, completed the enrollment of around 8.8 million U.S. citizens by December of 2017. And this sweeping legislation had aimed to reform the American health care industry by making health insurance an affordable imperative and regardless of income. The power of informed choice, just like I am doing this podcast for you all now, the power of being able to know what your options are, is basically liberating, empowering. So I want to empower you all in that way. So community health centers is something you need to consider. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services operates care centers for uninsured Americans. These clinics can be found nationwide and they're spread across both urban and rural areas. Fees are charged on a sliding scale based on income and available services at these centers include well visit checkups, illness and injury treatment, pregnancy care, well baby care including immunizations, dental care, prescription drugs, behavioral and substance abuse counseling. And that is extremely, extremely helpful. And so also to find a community health center near you, I'm going to add a link in the description as well so that you can just boop and find exactly where the closest one would be depending on where you live. Next, let's talk about the health fair. And this organization takes a proactive approach to low-cost preventative health care. And trained medical professionals operate a fleet of buses fitted with state-of-the-art screening technology and miniature exam rooms. Screening exams are offered at much lower costs than at typical medical facilities, and results are often immediate. 
No prescription or physician's order is necessary for an appointment. Health Fair's mobile labs are designed to detect cardiovascular disease, stroke, cancer, and other life-threatening diagnoses. Available tests include mammograms, cardiac artery ultrasound, bone density testing, echocardiograms, electrocardiograms, prostate-specific antigen testing, abdominal <laughs> aortic aneurysm testing, cholesterol testing. <clears throat> but because there are so many people who go to these screenings, the company is able to offer lower pricing than the typical hospital or doctor's office. While not technically inexpensive, the cost can run as high as $2,300, it is still a much cheaper option for an uninsured patient who suspects a very severe illness. And those are just two of the many different resources for those who are uninsured. But I don't want to have you guys here all day. So next we'll go to understanding medical bills and we'll touch a little bit on that. So for understanding medical bills, medical billing in the United States can seem like an extremely convoluted process. According to a 2016 public opinion survey conducted by Copatient, around 70 72% of American consumers are confused by their medical bills, and 94% of consumers have received medical bills they consider to be too expensive. Even when covered by insurance or Medicare, you may find unexpected balances due to odd procedural codes, a slew of medical jargon, and insurance adjustments. And these next, these next basically um, tips will help you better understand, um, identify, and dispute erroneous charges on your bill. So there's facility capacity, supply and demand, hospital reputation, tar charge description master lists, and much more. But these are the things that you're basically going to want to consider um, and basically that they consider whenever, basically whenever um, coming up with a charge or coming up with a, basically how expensive a service is, things like that. Um, the NIHCM notes that higher system capacity can lead to competition among suppliers and downward pressure on the prices. And those three factors are basically what the result of that or basically the main causes of that downward pressure on prices. <clears throat> so this is how the billing works. You can contact a health care provider, pre-register and provide basic information to the office such as identification and insurance information, and then you schedule an, uh, an appointment. And it's important to ask the health care provider about services and supplies that you'll receive. If you're not clear on upcoming charges or what insurance will cover for the appointment, then be sure to ask for the procedure codes. Next, contact your insurance company to find out if these services are covered by your plan. If so, get an estimate of how much the services cost with your health insurance. If the cost is not manageable, ask your insurer if there are other health care providers in your area who provide the same service for less. The health care provider contacts your insurance company in order to verify pre-authorization and copay. 
On the day of the appointment, you complete any additional registration paperwork supplying your insurance card, a valid ID, policyholder name, and your insurance group number. This registration process helps the health care providers update your medical records, provide you with privacy policy information, gain your consent to perform certain procedures, inform you of care liability and risks, inform you of patient financial responsibilities, determine your advanced directive preferences, which will give you health will give healthcare providers clear instructions if you're unable to speak for yourself. And then, after services are received, medical coders identify all services, prescriptions, and supplies received during your appointment and update your records with the corresponding service codes. The healthcare provider then creates an insurance claim using those codes. They submit an 837 file, and that's 837, file to your insurance, and that standard file format set by the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA, allows your healthcare provider to communicate to communicate securely with your insurance. Next, a claim processor who works for your insurance provider reviews the insurance claim and verifies that the treatments you've received fall under your coverage benefits. The insurance claims processor decides whether the claim is valid and then accepts or rejects it. The insurance claim processor contacts your health care provider with the status decision. If the claim is valid, insurance reimburses your health care provider by paying for some or all of the services. If, reject if rejected, the claim processor provides the billing office with a detailed description of why the services are not covered. Your healthcare provider will then and finally bill you for the remaining balance. And that's basically the kind of in a nutshell slash very long description of how the billing cycle works for healthcare. And then the final portion is understanding commercial health insurance. And so we'll touch a little bit on that. And then we'll get into the kind of um, extra ways that you can basically get coverage if you are under 30 and uninsured. So what is commercial health insurance? Private companies or non-governmental organizations issue commercial health insurance. Government-sponsored health insurance policies generally are reserved for specific groups, such as senior citizens, people with low income, disabled people, current military members and their families, veterans, and members of federally recognized Native American tribes. Examples of government-sponsored insurance include the Indian Health Services, IHS, Medicare, Medicaid, the State Children's Health Insurance Program, or SHIP, TRICARE, and the Veterans Health Administration Program. These government programs, funded primarily through taxes, are designed to provide medical coverage without returning a profit. So, in comparison or contrast, more so with that, most commercial insurance providers are for-profit companies, although some operate as non-profit organizations. Policyholders' monthly premiums fund commercial policies, and their premiums and coverage amounts are designed to create a profit for the insurance company. If your health care policy is not part of one of the aforementioned government programs, it is a commercial health insurance policy. Employer-provided group health insurance policies are commercial, as are individual policies people can buy if they do not receive employer or government health insurance benefits. And so with that, let's get a little bit into some extra things I wasn't able to cover. So 
if you are under 30, you can apply for catastrophic health insurance. And this covers you in cases of extreme sickness or injury. And of course, with each plan, you're going to need to look up what classifies as serious because that can affect which illnesses and which injuries are covered and which ones are not. Because of course, serious is a very subjective word and you want to make sure that your definition of serious lines up with that plan's definition of serious. And then you also might find that you're qualified for Medicaid, which we've mentioned before, or qualified for Children's Health Insurance Program or CHIP. And make sure you consult with a professional before, you know, going into all of this because you're going to want to go in as informed and ready, basically as armed with knowledge or armed with knowledge as you possibly can be on this subject. And if I didn't mention before, which I think I have, but if I haven't, um, if your school offers a health plan, it could be better for you convenience-wise and financially, um, i.e. the University of North Texas, um, University of North Texas at Dallas, any, any place really, uh, UNT's Frisco location, just UNT in general. Um, make sure that you check with our <clears throat> health clinic on campus and make sure that um, if you are not currently insured, ask if they provide insurance uh, plans. And if they do not, then you can ask for more, you know, consultation on that note. And if they do, then they can provide you um, with more information on how to properly move forward. But with that, I hope that I covered everything that I needed to. And of course, um, I'm going to link all of this information basically in the description. It's all going to be under one website, which is medicalbillingencoding.org. And you're going to be able to find that um, this information that I just read slash, you know, gathered for you. You're going to be able to find it there. And also, in addition, I'm going to add healthcare.gov slash young adults dash, um, slash college students. And they're going to have tips and things like that for you to learn more about um, your options and things like that. And... I guess that brings us to the end of this episode. School starts next week. Classes start next week. Um, if you're going to in-person classes, stay safe. Make sure you wash your hands, wear your mask, all that good jazz. Um, social distance, six feet apart, y'all. And if you are doing remote slash internet courses, stay focused. You got this. And I'll see you guys next time.